Okay, welcome to the Lindroth Hockey Podcast. This is Jim. Uh, Andrew might be joining us later, but uh, today episode is a special episode just to uh, celebrate and talk to Dave Capiano. Uh, Dave's been a frequent visitor, as our listeners know, on our podcast. We've covered his career. We've also had him on to talk Bruins hockey, talk about strategy and in, uh, in, in hockey as well. And we have been waiting for, and it's finally happened. Dave has been uh, honored with many Hall of Fames, uh, certainly with uh, his high school career, his college career. And now, of course, he's in, been inducted into the Rhode Island Sports Hall of Fame. So, Dave, welcome back to the podcast, and congratulations for this big honor. Well, thanks, Jim, Jim and thanks for having me. Um, yeah, it was a, it's, a, it's a tremendous, you know, honor, and you're kind of humbled by it when you, you know, start playing hockey or growing up. These aren't things that you ever think of. Um, I was fortunate enough to be inducted into my high school hockey hall of fame and sports hall of fame, and then the university of Maine and now the Rhode Island hockey hall of fame. So it's, it's quite an honor. And, and like I said, it's not something you think about growing up. It just kind of happens. And when it does happen, I think you reflect back and on your career and you reflect back on the good and the bad. Um, and, uh, you know, the good being, I think you, you reflect back on your parents and, and what your parents did for you. And, and my parents were, were fortunate enough to, to have to do for other people and other kids too. And, and I still get that to this day when we went to different tournaments on how he orchestrated them going when their parents couldn't afford it or, you know, just, doing what he could to get them there too. So before we get into some specifics, um, again, I think it's important. I don't want to let this go. Most people are not inducted to any Hall of Fame. And I think uh, with people that I know and I went to school with, their greatest Hall of Fame might be uh, a high school sports Hall of Fame. And like you said, you did that in your high school. You also in the University of Maine and now the state of Rhode Island. So this is huge. I mean, I will never be elected to any Hall of Fame. What is it like when you actually sit back and you go, I've actually been recognized, nominated, went through the process, vetted. And now I have this honor with that only a, a, an elect group of people in that your state is ever going to have. Has it hit you in that way yet? You know, I don't, I, I don't know if it has in, in that way yet, but only because we didn't, we weren't luck, lucky enough to have the dinner in person, uh, which it's kind of, kind of put a damper on things just to see, you know, see other people, see the other inductees, see the, you know, the, the whole, the whole spotlight of the whole event. So in that forefront, it was a little disappointing, but I think more so when I sit back and think about it, you think about, you know, like I said, you think about your parents, you think about the sacrifices they made. The fact that my brother and I, you know, played on the same team in the NHL, the fact that we were all Americans the same year in college. Uh, I, I didn't have the luxury of playing with him on any teams growing up because he was two years older than me. So he was always a peewee when I was a squirt and, and in high school, he went to, ended up going to Kent School in Connecticut, and I went a different route. But then when I got to the University of Maine, it's kind of funny because 
we just had a sixth sense about us and more so with him on playing defense always had a sixth sense to where I was and it's just hard to explain but it it was just true it was you know it's funny I watched the the show the other night on Drew and Omicelli and his brother and they played um for the Connecticut team that was on Netflix at you know in 2004 when they had the hockey team that the 17 year old it's not coming off my top of my tongue but and I listened to an interview with Drew and his brother Drew Omicelli who played at Providence and and they said the same thing since they were little they always you remember they played together they had a sixth sense about it so those are the type of things that I think about Jim and you know obviously among other things you go back at the kids you played with in high school the kids you grew up with the kids you played with at you know when I played at you know Vancouver with the Danny Quinns and the Geno Ojics, um, some just some of some of the great people that you played with and great coaches and Pat Quinn, um, obviously, you know Bill Belial, um, you know Bill Belial is such a it's such a the history of Bill Belial is just an amazing history. Um, so I mean, you just go back and you think about all the times that you had with all all these different um, memories. So let's talk a little bit about your parents and you talked about the sacrifices and, and, and I'll be honest, uh, you know, we have guests on every week on the podcast and uh, now we're starting to have, you know, we've gone through quite a few guests and it is not uncommon for a guest to go. If we mentioned uh, uh, Capiano that they go, oh yeah, either the Capiano brothers or the Capiano family. And what, what did your family kind of, they weren't the typical hockey mom and dad. What, 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 what were they like? I mean, they, they had players over the house. They probably mentored them. Talk a little bit about uh, that growing up. Well, it's, it's funny because it's always a running joke of how competitive our family is. And I'm sure, I'm sure there's a, you know, if you go through the list of NHL guys that have played as brothers or how competitive and I don't know what it is and I don't know why it is, but, you know, I can only imagine how competitive my father was. My father was a football player and a wrestler. Uh, don't think he ever lost a wrestling match in high school. Um, so he was a great athlete. And my mother is just, you know, a hardworking stay at home mom who just, you know, handled everything um, with us, you know, three boys and girl. And, um, so, you know, the, the, the amazing part of it is that my father didn't play hockey and we had a local guy, a uh, coach named, you know, Dick Ernst, um, who my father was friendly with, obviously Cranston's a very small town and, you know, Dick Ernst wanted my, you know, came to my father, they were friendly and said, you know, you got to get the boys into hockey. And, you know, it was just a, you know, at that time, we were fortunate enough. There was a, a pond called aqueduct that the, the fire department flooded every year. At that time, it was cold enough in the winters to we skated in the ponds all winter. Now we're not, the kids don't have that luxury over the last several years. It really never freezes. And we had a, a something called the square next to my house. We have, you know, our name of our street is called Capuano Ave. And, <laughs> And my, it was named after my grandfather because he owned all the land in, in that area. 
And then it just, you know, kind of became where the Capuanos all lived on Capuano Ave. Um, my great, great grandfather came here and knew the value of land from Italy and, and started buying land up here. So, um, you know, it, it just, it kind of snowballed into, you know, us, us playing hockey. My father was a, a very hardworking, um, up at five o'clock, he owned a, um, we had actually a pig farm and a landfill. And then he got into, you know, the garbage business through that. Um, and he was just, you know, he, he was just, you know, both of them, they're, they're still going in their upper seventies with more energy than anybody I can imagine. So the energy that they put forth, not just to us, but to having kids over, I mean, it wasn't uncommon that, you know, I can name, you know, Gordy Ernst, Bobby Ernst, David Quinn, uh, the Bucci's, um, you know, these are, these are, you know, Gordy and Bobby Ernst were all Americans at, at Brown university. David Quinn was a first round draft pick, obviously the coach of the New York Rangers. Uh, the Bucci's four or five of the brothers were all great hockey players. One of them went to RPI on a full scholarship. So we were surrounded by good athletes in this little, you know, eight mile area. And we all grew up, whether it was playing hockey in the square, whether it was playing street hockey, whether it was down my cellar, where my father had a cellar and we kind of made it into a rink in my cellar. So it was nonstop thinking about what he could do for the, for us. And he always put us in a situation where we were playing against the best. So, um, and he gave us every opportunity to do that, whether it was hockey, baseball, basketball, whatever we wanted to do. And we were fortunate. I was fortunate enough to play in two world series in baseball. Um, had very many opportunities to play baseball in college, but when I was 16, made the choice of, of sticking to hockey, and we went to the World Series as 15-year-old at the New Englands. Uh, we won the New Englands and went to the, to the World Series for our Babe Ruth team and had many opportunities from there on, and I came home, and, and I said to my parents that, you know, that's it. I'm, I'm just going to focus on hockey now and and that was the last time I played baseball and I, I truly miss it. And I, I think I had an opportunity there. It was probably a, an easier sport on the body than what I went through. But, um, you know, they, my parents were, you know, the very, 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 very good people to a lot of people. And, um, you know, as we got older, we were 16, 17 years old, we would have a, round table of NHL scouts at my house huh. and not just NHL scouts. We've had, you know, um, Bobby Orr, um, uh, uh, many, many people, Smokey Cerrone, who was a, a big scout, um, for the Minnesota North stars, uh, the goalie for Pittsburgh and the Bruins. I can't remember his name right off the top of my tongue. Um, and just many people that, that they had, you know, my, my, my mother would cook Italian meals and they would come over after a big high school hockey game and they would eat. Um, well, and, and, and I'd hear that from guests and I, I can't remember which one or two it's been a, a few uh, where they mentioned that, that they used to go to your house all the time and your mom's cooking and they would just be like, everybody would kind of gravitate 
Uh, and maybe maybe it was um, um, Quinn that said that when we had a moment, just that you go over to Capiano's house and mom would cook all the time. And it was just a fun place to be around. So uh, yeah, I'd throw that out there for you too. Yeah, obviously Danny, Danny's um, down in Florida too. And my parents have a place in Jupiter too. So when they're down there, they, they, you know, my father is still very close to Danny Quinn and, and, you know, my, I, I think just a lot of people have a lot of respect for my father. I remember, you know, Mario and Paul Coffey and Rick Tockett um, coming fishing with us. My father had a fishing boat and they were in the area and they called and they came over and, and uh, my father took them, took us fishing. Um, and, and, you know, just little memories like that. Uh, you know, that, that you don't, you don't really remember, but you do remember. And, um, you know, I think it just like I said, a lot of people just had a lot of respect and still have a lot of respect for my father. My father employed probably over 200 people at one point. And to this day, I, I still run into people that saying that, you know, how how they miss him, how great he was, um, you know, because he wasn't uh, he was hands on. If there was a problem with the a gasket under the car, under the truck, he would get under and try to fix it with the mechanic. So he was, um, you know, he's still that way he's you know he's still going strong knock on wood and um you know he's just a, he's a big part and him and my mother are a big part of the family and they're you know we're just uh grateful and lucky that they're still healthy and doing well and uh you know it's a it's a you know a lot of those stories that we go back to with you know like i said with the round table of you know when when you have 16 you don't kind of realize it you know you look back now saying you know, all these scouts sitting at the table, them all being outside having a cigar, you know, it's kind of, uh, it's kind of like, you know, it's kind of like a, a pretty funny memory. Yeah. So you were blessed to go to a high school that's probably the best high school program in North American history, definitely American history. And of course, you, you, like you said, you always played with very competitive guys. I mean, Gar Snow, uh, Lawton, I mean, you know, the, these are guys you might say, oh, maybe I played junior with them or whatever, or college, but it's like, this was your high school. So do you think, looking back here, of your development into a NHL caliber player, did it help to play on a team that had so many high quality players compared to if maybe you were just the star or one, one or two stars on the team? It seemed like it was just a team that was just pure talent. Oh, you know, for sure. I mean, obviously, and I didn't, I didn't play as a freshman. Um, you know, I, I, I made the team, um, you know, there was only, I think two of us that made the team as freshmen. but I mean, the, the, the people at that time that went to Mount, you know, they had a varsity team, a JV team, a freshman team, an eighth grade team, they could have probably had three JV teams. Um, you know, so many of my friends that you were close to, you know, went there to play hockey and, you know, never made a team. Um, but in, in, in retrospect, I mean, you know, the amount of time we had our own rink. So we would come, we would, you know, a funny story. We would, we would have hockey for gym. So we would, you know, 10 o'clock, instead of going to the gym, we would walk down to the rink, you know, would have a 50 minute skate. This is prior to us starting the high school season. So, you know, September, October, early November, 
And then obviously, you know, after the season ended, um, we would go down and we would skate for Jim and Bill would never turn the hot water on. So we had to take cold showers <laughs> and we would have to walk back up, you know, obviously Mount is named Mount for a reason. We're on a, you know, a huge mountain and we had to walk back up, which was up the stairs, you know, probably 300 stairs. And we would, by the time we got to the, to the back to school, your hair, your hair was frozen. Um, <laughs> so he would, he would never turn that. He would never turn the, the cold water on. And, you know, my freshman year, I played J JV and I played varsity. So I would dress in the games. Maybe I'd get a shift. Maybe I'd get two shifts, possibly. And then the following day, I'd have a JV game. And then the following day, maybe it was, you know, vacation for, you know, a, a five-day vacation that, you know, we, we might have played once during that time. Maybe we didn't play at all, but I would have to be there at nine, skate nine to 12, and then go back on the ice one to four. Wow. And that and that was my freshman year for many, many, many hours, many times. Um, Did you know, I mean, obviously you... You know the history, you know the reputation of the program, but did you actually know at that young age that, uh, hey, I'm playing with really some of the best players of my age? I mean, it's unusual to have this at a high school age unless you're going juniors. No, I didn't know that at the time. I just, you know, we just played. Um, my brother-in-law, Chris Cambio, who ended up playing – I kind of grew up with probably my best friend went, went to Mount and then went to Maine on a full scholarship too. Um, one of the most talented guys I've ever played with. And, um, you know, we just, we were friends. We, we were all friends. We all, you know, did battle. We all respected each other. I mean, I don't think we looked at it as, you know, I never looked at it as for me as, you know, being timid or being in a, a situation where I was afraid of. I always, thought that I was good. I always had confidence, you know, not hopefully not a cocky way, but I just had confidence believing in myself. My, I think my parents always instilled that in us. And, you know, we always, we always believed in ourselves. And, and, you know, it was just, it was the, I think it was just the amount of, obviously the amount of time we spent on the ice. I mean, you, you, you know, if, if I studied as much as I skated, I'm sure I could have did something else. Um, but we, you know, we, my freshman year was really hard. And then, you know, after that, it was obviously I, you know, my sophomore, junior and senior year, I played a lot and it was, you know, one of those things where there was times, you know, that, that, um, you know, Bill was, he was, he was tough. And, you know, I think everybody looks back that we all talk, we all, they all, you know, we all tell stories about different Bill stories. Um, but you know, that no one, no one cared more about you than Bill Belisle. But, you know, it was that tough love type of care. And I remember we were playing in Maine. We, were, we went up to Maine and we were playing one of the best teams in Maine at the time. Uh, they were ranked like top five in the country. And I think I was a sophomore and the first shift or second shift of the game. And, and I was playing a lot at that time. I, I didn't back check to the post. It was always, you know, back check to the post. And I didn't back check to the post. And came to the bench and sat down and he sat me there and said, sit, sit there and don't move. And, you know, I basically didn't move the whole period. And uh, I think we were down three to one 
in the second period and, and his son, Dave, who, you know, again, one of the most, you know, great, great guy who doesn't get enough of the credit he does, but he doesn't get enough of the credit of what he did, you know, with Bill there, you know, kept, you know, saying to Bill, is it, can I get him back out there? Can I get him back out there? And I remember Bill just looking at him, shaking his head, no. Wow. And now I'm steaming, um, you know, you drive <laughs> all the way up there and you're not playing. And finally, I think late in the second period, he, he said to Dave, okay. And, and I, I think I scored in the, to make it three, two late in the second. And then the third period, I scored four goals. And, you know, he said to, he said to Dave after he says, you know, this is why I sat him. And this is why he needs to understand he needs to back check to the post, you know? So, yeah. you know, we all had that. We, you know, and there was a lot, many more stories of, you know, there was many times that I got thrown off the ice, you know, take a shower, go take a shower. Um, <laughs> you know, that's another one of his, his things. And, and uh, you know, he would throw pucks on the ice prior to. So Dave, did you feel that you were, um, more than ready when you entered the University of Maine team. Talk to us a little bit about the transition from Mount to University of Maine. Yeah, yes, I, I felt, you know, talent-wise, obviously, I felt that way. I think, you know, you get there and guys are all bigger and stronger. Uh, so I think I had to work that way. I mean, I look back, Jim, and I I just wish, you know, the, the workout structure, I, I had the ability to to go through what these guys go through today. Uh, I, I think my career would have been a whole lot different, but um, we, it wasn't preached to us then. It wasn't embedded in us and it wasn't, you know, we didn't have that, you know, million dollar, you know, workout facility, but I feel like I was, you know, it was, it was a, it was a, it was a big jump, but I never felt, you know, talent wise it was, I just felt physically, it was a big jump. I mean, you're playing now you're playing against men. And then obviously the next step again to the NHL was the same thing. Now you're playing against, you know, you're really playing against men. So each step is a different, but I think each step Jim is just a really for most people. And if you're in the condition that you should be in, which I think everybody is today, I think it's a step mentally from high school to the NHL, to the to college and then another step mentally from college to the NHL. And I say that because I think that everything happens a step quicker. And that's why mentally you have to, you have to think, be able to think a step quicker. And I think the great play is like Gretzky, like Mario, you know, you go down the list today, Bergeron, I think they're a step ahead mentally, Jim. Which was the most challenging for you at whatever point in your in your career? What was the, the biggest challenge for you as far as was it going from high school to college or college to pro? I, I would say college to pro. And I, and I say that because we weren't able to fight growing up. And I think that the Canadian kids have a big advantage and still have a big advantage with that because they're used to fighting. I think that, you know, when you get to the NHL, everybody there is willing to step up to the table. But I think a lot of, a lot of kids have never done it before. So it's a big difference for the Americans and the Europeans. 
were you ever, uh, can you ever remember a time um, that you could at least take five minutes and have a beer or whatever it is and go, I've reached a goal. Not that you're going to stop, but you finally reached a goal. Maybe it was to play in the NHL. I don't know what that goal was, but did you ever have a point where you were able to turn off the engines, reflect for just a minute and go, holy shit, I'm, I'm here I am. And I'm so happy I got to this point. Do you remember any, did you have that moment? Honestly, I don't think so. <laughs> I, I don't think was, that I ever had that moment. I think more so I kind of worked to get there and thought I could get there, but I don't think I ever sat back and said, Oh, I'm here now. I'm satisfied type of thing. Or man, I made it. You know, I don't think, I don't think I ever felt I made it because you always seem like you want to do more. Right, right, right. What was a, a moment during a game that you were completely satisfied with how you played and you were on, you remember going, I am at the top of my game at this point in time. Well, there was a stretch when I was at Maine and I, I can't remember it, but I think it was my junior year where I think I had three or four games in a row. And I, I think I had like three hot hat tricks out of four games. Um, and I can't remember when that was, but I mean, that was, I, I do remember, you know, feeling like my game was finally getting to the point where I was, you know, getting satisfied and, and felt like I, I made the step, the, the needed steps to turn pro. Um, but again, Jim, it all, it all goes back and we really haven't, you know, talked about it, but it does go back to, you know, they all, it's funny because I, I talk about a seller, my seller in my house. And, and obviously it wasn't a big seller, but we were able to have three on three and four on four games down there. <laughs> and well, you laugh, but if you, if you, if you look at what USA hockey coaches today, they coach the small games, right? Right. They, they, and I don't know if you're, if you're familiar with that, Jim, but they, they take the, the ice and they, they cut the ice into three or four places. So you go across the ice now and they're doing with the mites and they put the mites in small places. So there's small games. So there's not as much space. And, and I think it's kind of brilliant that they got to that point, but it's even more brilliant that we were doing it, not knowing we were doing it in my cellar yeah and that's you know myself david quinn my brother jack the ernst brothers i mean down the line my brother-in-law um so in our development from that point we didn't know we were doing it but it created it created us to to create more space for ourselves to see what was around us all the little things that we needed to do back then that we didn't know we were doing. And I think that had a big bearing on what we all accomplished. Can you um, share a moment of where uh, a coach, and again, at any point in your, your playing career, even, even amateur, that a coach taught you something that you've carried through the rest of your life, made, a, made an impact on you? Well, that, I mean, I think that's pretty much what Bill Belial did to all of us. Um, Bill Belial 
didn't teach us X's and O's. And everybody, you look back at his career, he's in the United States Hockey Hall of Fame and should be in every Hall of Fame in the world, I think. Um, but he didn't coach X's and O's. I mean, he wanted us to forecheck. He wanted us to backcheck. He always preached backcheck to the post. But when it came to moving the puck, doing little things, you know, taking away the neutral zone, chipping it in, playing a one-two-two, that never existed with Bill. The only thing that existed with him was if you didn't give 120%, you were sitting on the bench or you were taking a shower. Yeah. And, you know, I, I think if you talk to Brian Boucher or you talk to Brian Lawton or you talk to Gott Snow, Keith Carney, uh, they'll all tell you the same thing. I mean, he was kind of like a drill sergeant. But, you know, when you were a senior walking out that door, you couldn't respect the man more after hating him so much of what he did for you. So there obviously was a connection between Mount and University of Maine. What was that connection? A lot of guys went to University of Maine, not just you and your brother. Well, you had Sean Walsh, who was probably the best recruiter in the history of college hockey to think about getting all of us to go to Bangor when we all had the opportunity to go any place in the country. Um, I mean, I was fortunate enough to be recruited by BU, by Michigan, by Boston College, uh, Michigan State. I mean, across the board, pro obviously Providence, um, you know, Lou Lamarillo was not happy when I didn't go to Providence. Um, you know, but Sean Walsh was, was one of the greatest recruiters. And I think back to obviously my brother Jack was there. And I think when I went there, I think, you know, got snow and Keith Carney and the ones that followed me, you know, they, you know, you kind of follow in the footsteps. I think if you, if you heard Brian Boucher speak at his hall of fame dinner, you know, he talked about us setting the path for him. And I think it was the same thing. You know, I want to think that by us going to Maine, myself, Chris Cambio, then a lot of people wanted to follow like Keith Carney, but you know, Sean was an amazing guy. There was so many weekends where I would get mail um, in the mailbox and it would be an article on, on how the team is doing. And it would be a personal note from Sean saying, this is where you're going to fit in. This is where I see you. This is what I think you can accomplish here. And I never got another note ever from another college coach other than Sean Walsh to that extent. And I'm sure it wasn't just me. I'm sure it was to God snow or to Keith Carney. Wow. So you mentioned Lou and you mentioned some other uh, people that are just great guys in the game. It, it seems um, I'm going to give you a little bit of time. Um, you know, I've, I've heard Lou stories from some other guests and, and, Others talk about just genuinely great guys in the game of hockey. Who are some of the great guys that, um, that you experienced in hockey? If you had to pick maybe one or two. Well, that's tough. I mean, obviously I can tell you the loose story when I went, when I was being recruited. And at the time I didn't, you know, you're not aware you're 15 years old. You're not aware of how important it is that, 
I go to Providence, um, you know, Lou had lost a lot of local recruits and I went in there and sat down with him. And I remember that, you know, he said a couple things that I was shocked that he said, you know, about me, maybe choosing Maine. <laughs> and I was sitting <laughs> with my father and I walked out of there saying Dad, I didn't expect that. Um, you know, a few choice words and, and, uh, but again, obviously you, you know, I look back now and I, I kind of chuckle about it, but you know, what he has done, uh, through the state of Rhode Island, through obviously what he did at Providence, how he, you know, how he helped hockey East get established. And then what he's done in the NHL is just, it's amazing what he's accomplished. Um, I, I think if I look back to, I mean, I'd have to, you know, again, talk about Bill Belisle, Sean Walsh. I don't think, you know, obviously Sean, God rest his soul, passed away as a young man. I think he was 45. Um, so I, I, you know, that to me, to this day, not being able to pick up the phone and talk to Sean is probably, you know, one of the things that really, you know, is, is really tough in my life because he was such a mentor to me and, and so many of the, the players there. Um, you know, he was a young man when, you know, I believe his mid twenties when he was coaching us and we were 17 years old. So there wasn't a big age gap there. Um, you know, and a lot of things went on that probably shouldn't have went on. <laughs> so um, as far as having a, a few drinks at certain time, <laughs> but um you know, and then, you know, Pat Quinn in, in Vancouver, you know, leaves a, a mark on, you know, obviously I'm on me too with, um, uh, and Brian Burke who traded for me, you know, you think back to guys who give you the opportunity. Um, but I remember, you know, Pat Quinn coming in one time and, and slamming his hand on the ping pong table and the thing broke in five. And, uh, <laughs> you know, those are, t those are some of the things and he had the biggest hands and was a huge man. And, you know, kind of was a gentle giant when it came to, you know, talking to you, but yeah, not the type of guy that you wanted to see mad. Um, you know, but I, I think, you know, those are, those are the guys and those are the things that I've experienced obviously with Bill and with Dave Belisle and um, with Sean Walsh that, you know, that I can look back and say they would, you know, probably the most important to me other than my parents and then my father who, you know, never talked about, scoring a goal or making a pass or, or, you know, why didn't you do this at this time? And why didn't you do that at that time? You know, which so many parents do today, it was, you know, for him, it was, you know, when I would talk to him, his, his statement that rings in my head was, you know, did you give everything you could give? And some nights I had to question that and some nights I didn't. And then that was his big thing to me. And, and, um, you know, obviously they were my two biggest fans. My mother, my mother used to stay up, when I played in Vancouver, my mother didn't watch it, miss a game on a 1030 up until one o'clock. She didn't miss a game. Um, so, you know, I guess, you know, probably my parents were the biggest influence and in, in for not just me, but for a lot, a lot of people um, in the, in the, that played and came through Rhode Island and played the game, but we were fortunate. I mean, imagine, you know, you got two, no, you got two. Jack Capuano and David Quinn coaching in the NHL. Two kids growing up, you know, growing up in Cranston, went to the same high school. And it seems like, uh, you know, that might have been another plus that, that that we didn't talk about. I remember Bobby Orr talking about we should let small kids, you know, just play pond hockey. 
and get rid of the coaches and get rid of the parents and just let them love the game and, and explore and be creative on their own, that they'll get that structure later on. Um, and it seems like your parents allowed you guys just to play the frigging game and develop a, a passion for it. And uh, talent will go where talent's going to go. And you'll finally get the, I guess, training uh, when it's time. So it seemed like the, uh, that's, that's how it worked for you and definitely your, your brother. And I guess maybe some of the neighborhood kids. Yeah. And, and, and no one had more passion for it than, than Mr. Ernst, Dick Ernst. Um, obviously God rest his soul too. Um, he was, he, he, he skated, you know, he got sick the last couple of years of his life and he was still a young man in mid seventies, but he skated up until he was 73, 74 years old. He coached for 40 something years, maybe 50 years. Um, and he would pick us up. He would pick all of us up. We would go to either in the winter time, he'd come and we'd have a car full of guys and we would skate at either aqueduct or we would skate at um, Mechanicut Park and he would skate with us. And, you know, they had the three brothers that, that they had and, you know, all of us, I mean, just between the neighborhood kids, we had a, a hockey game, but he was a huge influence in, in taking us different places so, I mean, we were just, we were, and he had more passion for it than anybody. So we were all lucky to have people around us that had the passion for it and, you know, put so much time and effort into the kids. I remember when I, when I did coach, you know, my, my son, uh, we always, we had a, you know, one of the Bennett's that I coached with had a, um, had a RV and we would take the whole team at the time. We only had 13 kids on our team, but most of the kids would go in the RV. We would go to Aqueduct and, and we would let them skate three or four or five hours. And we would, you know, practice would be 50 minutes, but yet, you know, we would take them to skate three, four hours on the pond. And to them, that wasn't practice. That was just playing. That's, you know, learning the game, like you said. And it's so important for that to happen because that's where the passion is learned. And that's what, that's what having fun is all about. So obviously you're one of the elite that actually had a career in the NHL. What were some of the th things of being an ex, you know, pro NHLer that uh, you've taken away from your playing career? What are some things that uh, you wish might never happen of, of being a pro? Because it's not always peaches and cream being a pro. Well, you know, for me, I, you know, I, I know that, you know, I had a concussion problem and I, and I, I, you know, to this day, I'm, I feel grateful that I probably got injured and stopped playing when I did with some of the issues that I have. But so I, I think to me, that's the biggest issue is for them. You know, they have, I think, cleaned the game up, but I, you know, the, the one, two hits that I see, you know, close to the boards, I just don't think, you know, the players that play now understand what they're going to go through in 20 years. And obviously the same goes for the NFL, which is even worse. And I think that I would hope that at some point that ends. Yeah. And that's, that's one of the biggest things that I see, you know, even, you know, even with the fighting, with the fighting is obviously nothing now than what it was then. Um, you know, I know kids that I played with that have ALS and, 
different, you know, stuff that's going on that they were strictly fighters. So you look back and go, was that part of it? Um, so I think that part of it, as much as it's, it's, it's great for the game and, and policing the game, uh, I think some of the hits to the head, some of the violent hits near the boards and, you know, the, the fighting aspect of it, Jim, I, I you know, I, I wish that they could kind of do something about it because of concussions. Yeah. We can't talk about uh, having a um, sports hall of fame career without fans. So, um, and, and I guess we can, you could talk about any point in your career, but I'd imagine uh, more NHL. What were the fans like both uh, supporting fans of the home team and away fans that might want to get under your skin a little bit. What role did fans play um, in, in your career and did it, did it help at all? At least, uh, you know, I mean, you can't, you know, you might not be able to go downtown somewhere in the hometown without having to sign autographs. Do you still get uh, hockey cards to sign in the mail today? Believe it or not, Jim, I get a ton. <laughs> I, I still get a ton, you know, probably uh, for some reason, they all go to my mother's house, which is kind of funny. <laughs> Um, but I probably get, you know, 15, 20 a month. Um, and the, and the, and the, and the nice thing, the amazing thing to me is, and I read every letter, um, I get them from Germany. I get them from Switzerland. I get them from Sweden. Uh, you know, amazing. You get them from Canada. You know, I, I played in Vancouver. I probably get a handful of cards a year from Vancouver, but I get hundreds from other places. So, uh, you know, that it, it is a nice, it is a nice thing. And, and, and like I said, I do read every single letter and, 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 you know, I, a lot of times, you know, there's times I show my daughter some of the letters and, and she gets a kick out of them. So, um, but as far as the fans go, Vancouver was a great place to play. It was, it wasn't, um, for a Canadian city, it wasn't, um, like playing in Toronto or Montreal, Obviously, when when I when when you went to Toronto or Montreal, um, you know people you know would would hound you for autographs. Um, Quebec, Toronto, Montreal, uh, Calgary, Winnipeg, Vancouver wasn't like that. Uh, a, a big bigger city, I think, and it wasn't you know just wasn't a hockey city. Uh, we, we was more on the down low, which was nice. I mean, we could a lot of times go out and, and have a couple beers after a game and, and um, not worry about that stuff. Uh, but as far as the fans go, as far as a building in Vancouver, it was a loud building and that was great. And on the road, Jim, I don't think, I don't think I heard anything on the road. You know what I mean? I just never, I never heard it. I never listened to it. I thought if I did, I wasn't focused. Um, so I just, I wasn't a big rah-rah guy and, and on the road, I, I kind of just went about my, did my own thing. And if someone was yelling at me, you know, I, I just, it just didn't bother me. Yeah. Yeah. What was the um, favorite arena and worst arena NHL wise to, uh, to play in? Well, I've, my favorite arena to play in was the Boston Garden. Uh, I, I was lucky enough, fortunate enough to play there a couple times and obviously growing up in, in New England, uh, you know, it was kind of the place to play, the place you wanted to play. 
and I played there in, in college a few games, but the, I mean, the rink itself was terrible, right? It was terrible. The sight lines were terrible. The locker rooms were terrible, but you know, it was something about the fact that you were on the same ice as Bobby Orr, you were on the same building as Larry Bird. Uh, uh, you know, growing up, we were all that group. We all watched every Celtics game I think ever played uh, with Bird and McHale and Parrish. Um, did, you, uh, did you have to get a whole bunch of tickets for the uh, family and friends when you played? My first, my first game there I did, and I, and I laugh because my brother, you know, never gets tickets for any of us when he comes. But my first game there, I, I, um, I shouldn't say never, but you know, it's, I, I, and I know it's an expensive thing now, but you know, yes, I think the first game there, I, I think I bought 25 tickets or 20 something tickets. It wasn't cheap and I wasn't making a lot of money. <laughs> so what are you saying? Your brother's a cheapskate. <laughs> um, <laughs> hey, if you want to go, you, you pay. <laughs> I don't want I don't want to put you on the spot with Jack. <laughs> he um he he could afford a few more tickets, Jim. Yeah, yeah. But I oh, but cool. all in all, you know, uh, you know my relationship with my brother and the and and what I what I what I what I what's amazing about my brother is he, he's he's so humble in that he's 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 such a great family guy. He is a tremendous family guy. To, to all of us, um, you know, he helped my son tremendously. He helped, you know, my nephew. He helped, obviously, you know, his son is, you know, is 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 a very, you know, going through the academies and and, and going to be a very special person in this country. And um, and and his daughter and and it's, he's just a very he's a humble guy. And and and, and his family, you know, his entire family, meaning our entire family means a lot to him. So um, I, I sometimes give him a hard time about some things, but he's a, he's a, he's a great family guy. And, 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 you know, getting back to us playing at Maine, there was no louder rink that I ever played in. And I think you, you, you can ask your guests, any college guys that you have that played in our era, they would tell you the same thing. There was no louder rink than the university of Maine when we played there. Oh yeah, no, I'm sure. I I am sure. So, how did you? Uh, because your brother Jack uh, was inducted into the uh, Hall of Fame either a year or two years before this. How did you know? Who contacted you when you were accepted for this honor? And then, of course, uh, you've had some other guys. Uh, I, it, did Gar Snow? Is he inducted the same time as you this year, or was or was he a year before? Yeah, same time. Same time, same night, 2020 class. My brother went in the 2019 class. It just seemed like a, a long time in between because of COVID. Um, but yes, Garth and um, Garth went in, in, in our class. Yes. So did then, um, I guess oh, I'll I, talk I, about you. Right. I, I, I forgot then. So Vince Amini, you know, the head of the board contacted me, um, congratulating me. And then, you know, a couple of the guys, Joe McDonald, who's a big writer um, here, uh, was on ESPN for years. He's on the board. You know, he called me too. Uh, great, great guy. Does um, he, you know, he's works for the uh, 
I forget the company now he works for, but he, 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 he still follows and writes about the Bruins. And um, so, I mean, I, there was a few board members that contacted me, um, but, you know, pretty exciting. Obviously when you get that phone call, you, like you said, you, it's, it's not something you expect or you, you think about it. It's not, you know, you, you, you know, the career you had and it was what it was. And, um, but it, you know, it's, it's, it's exciting for your family. It's exciting. Like my daughter never got the chance to see me play. Um, so it's, it's good in that aspect that she sees kind of some of the, the highlights and the games that I played in and some of the things that I've done. Nice. Nice. Can you uh, give us one uh, or, or two of your highlight emotional moments from playing that you could take away from your whole playing career? It could be a goal, your first goal, your last goal. It could be anything. It could have been a team dinner. What it, what are one or two highlights that you're going to take with you uh, when you when you when you're gone from your hockey career? I think I've, I think the, the probably the the most vivid in my memory, which is not great, was my first NHL goal. Um, I, I remember it distinctly. You know, the puck going back to Harold Snaps, and. I was playing on a line with Stan Smeal and, and, and not sure if you remember Harold snaps. Um, yeah. And Harold, you know, the puck went from the back corner to the, to the, to the point, And I kind of spun around and, and was going to the net to see if I could get a rebound and the rebound came out and it was probably four or five inches in the ear when it came out. And I, you know, just luckily I, you know, we had wooden sticks that wouldn't break and, and I hit it out of the air into the net and it was a game winning goal. So. Was it validation? Was it a surprise? Was it uh, a relief? Which I one think, was it? Yeah. I think more of a relief, you know, with that one, you know, another, another huge moment, you know, was we were playing the LA Kings in the first round of the playoffs and I got the first goal in the playoffs that game. Um, when I look back, you know, that was, that was a kind of a, a big goal that I scored too, which again, kind of give you a little more confidence. And I think every, every goal you scored or whatever you, you know, point you got in the NHL, you know, just, it just gave you more confidence. And I think you even see it with guys today and guys can go three or four games without a point, then they score. And then the next six, seven games, they, they, they're, you know, all of a sudden they're scoring and, and they're, you know, getting points and, and playing great and playing with more confidence. So even with elite athletes, Jim, I think you, we all go through it with, with confidence. But, you know, and, and because we know each other a, a bit more than the, the typical guests we've had you on here and, and we've talked before, do you realize that you, you were an elite athlete? I mean, this is something that most people don't ever get to experience or was it just hey it, it is what it was you know I, I guess I think in the moment when you're playing I think you have a little more confidence and a little more ego and and you feel like you know that but you know now I think it's more so I think as you get older I think you're just more humbled by it at least I feel like I am well Andrew um We'll uh, we'll wrap it up here, but um, Andrew would love to have you on to talk Bruins, and especially he's going nuts with possible uh, 
you know, the, the latest roster the Bruins are going to come up with. So uh, can we uh, bribe you somehow to come back on and talk some Bruins hockey? Absolutely. Absolutely. I gotta, I gotta get, um, I haven't been reading a lot. I know, I know the roster moves they made, but I haven't been up on it as much as I probably should have, because I know that the football season's starting and I'm a huge football fan and I, I can't wait for Tom Brady and my my Tampa to get back at it again. <laughs> yeah. Well, great. Well, Dave, congratulations again on the Rhode Island Sports Hall of Fame. It's certainly uh, a, a great honor. And uh, uh, you spoke well. Uh, you know, I checked it out online. We, you know, we were able to uh, pull it up there, and uh, you read really well. You looked a little nervous, though. Were you nervous? Um, or was it like, or was it like take three of? It Take was 10 or something. Yeah, it was. Um, we only had two minutes. So it was very difficult. And I, and I felt like I wanted to obviously say so much. Right, right. And, um, but and we you, can't leave, you, you can't leave anybody out, right? I mean, I'm sure it's hell to go. I got two minutes to say what I want to say, but I also got to do the right thing. And etiquette says I need to thank these individuals. Did I forget anybody? Right, right. And I... Um, it was, uh, no, I wasn't nervous about, like I said, I wasn't nervous about reading my speech. I was more nervous about, like you said, I was worried about trying to get everybody in and, 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 and fit 30 years into two minutes. And that right. was very difficult. And, and, um, so it was, it, I think more so that was the issue. Did you get everybody in? No, no, not even close. Like I said, I mean, I remember, um, I kid with God snow because I, I told God, I said, you took up all our time. I said, you were on <laughs> four minutes. So, yeah. Um, so that cut everybody else's time down. And, and then, you know, when Brian Boucher made, when Brian Boucher made his speech, I think it was like 22 minutes when he, when he, um, you know, when he got inducted. So, you know, which I can understand. I mean, you, you want to talk obviously about the Sean Walsh's and the Bill Belial's, and the different stories and your parents and how, you know, how, how, how much you appreciate what they did. Um, but you, you had to, you know, bring it in within two minutes. So that was what probably more so. And, and I, you know, obviously at the time I, you know, I have a tough time remembering, so I couldn't memorize my speech, you know? Yeah, no, you can't memorize that. Nope. So, and I think some of the guys didn't, I think, like, I think some of the guys read off or, you know, read off of um, one of the things in front of them and, and whatnot. So, but it's all good. I mean, I, I you know, I, um, uh, you know, it's, it, it's great that they're doing, you know, they also have a, a kiosk in the uh, Dunkin' Donuts Center with all of our pitches and different history. And like, you can push it and it'll, you know, play through all of our histories. It's, and then they're doing a museum too. So it's, it's so great what they, what they're doing, you know? Nice. Nice. Well, Dave, we'll say goodbye off air, but uh, I'm just going to conclude just to say thank you here. And uh, I'm actually going to end the podcast here and uh, we thank Dave for coming on. We'll look forward to having him coming back. And this is episode 43 and thank you all for tuning in.